This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, fly delays, cancellations, a powerful winter storm. The winter holidays are here, but Mother Nature has her own plans. Arizona's outgoing governor ordered the construction of a makeshift border wall back in August. Now Arizona is taking it down after a U.S. government lawsuit. Governor Ron DeSantis gets his wish granted by Florida Supreme Court. A statewide grand jury will investigate any wrongdoing related to COVID-19 vaccines in his state. Sam Bankman-Fried is out on bond, but his release comes with strict conditions. The FTX founder awaits trial in what's being called one of the largest financial frauds in American history. And North Carolina Supreme Court struck down a voter ID law and a redistricting map. They've cited Republican gerrymandering as the reason. We speak to the former North Carolina GOP executive director to get his reaction. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. It's December 23rd. It's finally Friday and we're heading into the Christmas weekend. That's right. But also it's going to be a bitter cold weekend. A dangerously frigid Arctic air mass gripped a large portion of the U.S. yesterday. The winter storm that's brewing is threatening the travel plans for millions this holiday. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the weather system that could give many Americans one of the coldest Christmas days in decades. Heavy snow and vicious cold is sweeping across many parts of the U.S. Icy roads and airport runways are disrupting holiday travel for thousands. President Biden urged Americans to take precautions. It's not like a snow day, you know, when you're a kid. This is serious stuff. The president called the conditions dangerous and threatening after a briefing from federal officials and encouraged people to heed their local warnings. My team is prepared to help communities uh, weather this, uh, no pun intended. Temperatures could drop as low as 40 degrees below zero Fahrenheit in the High Plains, the Northern Rockies, and Great Basin areas. Exposure without enough protection can cause frostbite within minutes. The extreme cold poses a particular hazard to livestock in ranching-intensive regions. The National Weather Service says a weather phenomenon known as a bomb cyclone is likely to develop over the Great Lakes and could bring more than a foot of snow as it moves east. The east coast could see up to two inches of rain followed by a flash freeze with wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour and bitter cold as far south as the Mexican border. The powerful winter storm is coinciding with one of the busiest travel seasons in years. The FAA says the extreme weather is bringing blizzard conditions to the Midwest. Snow squalls with whiteout conditions are expected from Illinois to Indiana. Major travel disruptions are expected in Chicago, Detroit and Minneapolis-St. Paul. The roads in Bloomington, Minnesota are proving a challenge for drivers already. Huge snowbanks cover the ground in parts of North Dakota. Visibility is limited. Over 500 miles of South Dakota's two interstates, I-29 and I-90, were shut down overnight. Conditions in Nebraska aren't much better. Temperatures plunged to at least 28 degrees below zero with wind chill in Wichita, Kansas. Roughly 60% of the U.S. population, more than 200 million people, are under wind chill alerts and other winter weather advisories. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
Power outages are a possibility in many areas. That's due to high winds and heavy snow combined with icy conditions and higher energy demands. If you live in an area affected by the storm, please be prepared and stay warm. Travel conditions are expected to deteriorate in the Midwest and Great Lakes area as the cold front moves east. If you're driving, stay safe out there. And holiday travel is proving difficult for many Americans this year. The weather is wreaking havoc on many people's plans, but it hasn't stopped people from trying to visit their loved ones. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on what travelers are going through leading up to Christmas. It is a holiday season some predicted could be the busiest ever, but the Arctic winter storm has plans of its own. Well, anytime folks are traveling during the winter holidays, weather is always a factor. We know that storms can settle in across many cities in the U.S., and we're going to be seeing that uh, starting tomorrow and through the weekend. At least five people have died in car accidents during the powerful storm. Airports are scrapping thousands of flights as the storm gathers strength. So actually, I was supposed to fly out yesterday, but I got a text message saying that my flight had been canceled completely. Over 4,400 flights were canceled over a two-day period. More than 8,000 were delayed Thursday. And uh, if you're not bundled up, if you don't have gloves, a hat, a nice pair of boots, probably some unders, some uh, long johns or whatnot, you will be cold. Southwest canceled 865 flights Thursday, about one-fifth of all its scheduled flights, and had already scrapped another 550 for Friday. Brandon got the bad news that his family's flight was canceled. Flustered. Um, we're trying to search on our phones, figure out other routes, maybe even taking a bus from here to Atlanta, which it'll take us about 21 hours. You could barely see the planes at Denver's airport on Wednesday. Flight attendants were having a hard time making it into work because of whiteout conditions. Kay Allen's flight was canceled. She managed to get another flight, but has to wait overnight at the airport. We're not really prepared to sleep here, to, to say the least. Like, I was prepared to entertain myself for a while for long layovers. Lonnie Fry got the bad news en route to his flight. We got on the bus to, to come from Boulder to the airport, and halfway here, our, our flight was canceled, so now we're here. Many U.S. airlines, including Delta, United, and American Airlines, said earlier this week they were waiving change fees and fare differences for passengers in affected areas. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Customs and Border Protection has a cold weather warning for migrants trying to enter the country. Stay away. The agency put out a video statement urging people not to try to cross the southern border. It says below freezing temperatures over the next several days will make entering the U.S. extremely treacherous. It's not uncommon for illegal immigrants to die in the Texas desert after crossing into the U.S. even during normal weather conditions. Officials are warning migrants to remain at home or in safe shelters. Arizona will remove a line of shipping containers placed along the U.S.-Mexico border. This a week after the U.S. government filed a lawsuit, it alleges the makeshift wall designed to deter illegal migrants was unlawfully erected on federal lands. And today's Daniel Monahan has that story. Arizona will remove the containers and the equipment, materials and vehicles used to install them by early January. The two sides resolved the issue two weeks before Katie Hobbs, a Democrat who opposes the construction, is due to take over as governor. 
The influx of illegal migrants across the border was a hot topic during the midterm elections. Carrie Lake had vowed to take action. We're going to take back this material here. You, our legislature is going to declare it basically abandoned federal property, and we're going to take it back and start constructing President Trump's wall. We're going to fight for the containers that Governor Ducey has put here. The current Republican governor, Doug Ducey, signed an executive order in August. The aim was to close the gaps along Arizona's 370-mile border with Mexico by double-stacking the shipping containers. In its lawsuit, the Justice Department argued the containers were illegally constructed on federal lands. Blake Masters, who lost his Senate bid to incumbent Mark Kelly, spoke at the border last month. Look, we need to overhaul our legal immigration system in this country, but that's not even a conversation to have until we secure this border. Environmental activists opposed the over 20-foot-high improvised wall topped with barbed wire as harmful to local wildlife. The work of placing up to 3,000 containers at a cost of about $95 million was about one-third complete. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Governor Ron DeSantis wants a statewide grand jury to investigate any wrongdoing related to COVID-19 vaccines. The Florida Supreme Court approved his request yesterday. The grand jury will run for a term of 12 months from the date of impanelment. DeSantis is seeking to investigate Pfizer and Moderna, as well as their executives. He's also asked for other medical organizations to be looked at, those involved in the provision of COVID vaccines in his state. One purpose of the probe will be to determine if any deceitful information was spread about vaccines that were said to prevent COVID-19 infection, symptoms, and transmission. Sam Bankman-Fried is out of jail. The FTX founder was released on a $250 million bond package yesterday, but there are strict conditions to his release. Here's more. Sam Bankman-Fried walked out of a Manhattan federal court on Thursday into a mob of reporters. The former CEO of bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX, who was extradited to the U.S. this week, is out of jail while he awaits trial on federal fraud charges. But his release comes with strict conditions, including a $250 million bond package, as well as confinement to his parents' Palo Alto home, location monitoring, and the surrender of his passport. Thursday's bail hearing comes after Bankman Freed was taken into FBI custody in the Bahamas and flown to the U.S. Wednesday night, where the pressure on him continues to mount. Bankman-Fried is accused of stealing billions of dollars in client money, much of it to stem losses at his personal hedge fund, Alameda Research. Bankman-Fried has acknowledged risk management failures at FTX, but has said he does not believe he has criminal liability. The son of two Stanford professors and a graduate of the elite Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Bankman-Fried rode a boom in the value of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to become a billionaire several times over. But last month, reports that FDX had commingled client funds with the founder's hedge fund led to a wave of withdrawals, prompting the exchange, valued at $32 billion last January, to declare bankruptcy. The U.S. attorney overseeing the case called it one of the largest financial frauds in American history. Coming up, North Carolina's Supreme Court struck down a voter ID law and a redistricting map. They cited Republican gerrymandering as the reason. We speak to the former North Carolina GOP executive director to get his reaction. 
TikTok's parent company ByteDance admits some user data has been compromised. It comes after the company came under heavy scrutiny over privacy concerns with a proposed ban on government devices. We'll have all that and more right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. The North Carolina Supreme Court recently knocked down a voter ID law, ruling it was discriminatory. It said it likely suppresses votes from African Americans who lack the needed identity cards. The court also ordered a state Senate map to be redrawn because of partisan gerrymandering. I spoke to the former executive director of the North Carolina Republican Party to get his take on this. Joining me now is Dallas Woodhouse. He was the executive director of the North Carolina Republican Party and is currently a columnist for the John Locke Foundation. Good morning, Dallas. Good morning, Evelyn. Now, the North Carolina Supreme Court just struck down the voter ID law. And first, what I want to do is I just I just want to get your reaction on that really quick. So we're not we're not surprised here. Um, we have had a highly partisan Democrat-controlled state Supreme Court that has, over the last year, made an, uh, a series of highly polarized um, rulings. Uh, and the voters have rejected that court. And coming in January, that court will flip to uh, a Republican majority. Uh, I think what is most offensive is the, the, the voter ID statute that was passed. And we've been trying to get voter ID in place for a number of years now is uh, weaker than other states. It's not the most stringent in the world. Um, but they, uh, you know, accused the legislature of having a you know racial discriminatory intent in putting the statute in place when actually the legislature was required to put the statute in place because the North Carolina voters had also amended the state constitution to require photo ID to vote. Uh, so in North Carolina, there's been two issues. One is a constitutional amendment that was passed by the voters that requires voter ID. But then this, of course, is the enabling law that says how to do it. The judges said that it was discriminatory and that less restrictive voter ID laws would have been enough to prevent uh, the purpose of, you know, prevent voter fraud. And what do you think about that? Yes. So, um, you know, a couple of things here. I, I think this is in North Carolina beca has become an overly partisan and divided issue among a bunch of elites on the court or liberal activists. The, the truth of it is this is not very controversial with the voters. The voters overwhelmingly passed an amendment. They support it. Uh, there's there's nobody that it can, can engage in our society in this day and age without some kind of state issued photo ID. Um, uh, the, the court basically said you could have a less restrictive ID. And what, what they meant was is not any kind of photo ID, which would be against what the voters of North Carolina both passed in uh, an amendment and what they want. So, so I, look, I, I think there is no statute that this particular court was going to approve. And I think the voters knew that. That's why they threw them out. Right. So are you saying there, could have, there couldn't have been a middle ground that would have sufficed? They're well, I mean, certainly Republicans in the legislature think they did pass a middle ground. But yeah, that, that, that's my opinion, uh, is I don't—I I think that this particular court was against anything um, that 
smelled like photo voter ID, despite the state constitution now requiring it. And so, um, so I, I don't, I don't really think Republicans ever could have won this court. I, I mean, I, I, and won it with a statute. I mean, we have tried numerous times. I mean, all you had to do if you didn't have an ID was sign a piece of paper saying you didn't have an ID. Apart from that, the court also struck down the redistricting map because of partisan gerrymandering. Now, I mean, Democrats have done it, Republicans have done it, and polls show that most Americans think it's a problem. And so now I'm asking you if you have any, you, you know, how do you think this should be So tackled? I've covered this case for a long time, and I have a lot of very strong opinions about it, Evelyn. Uh, let's set aside uh, whether people think partisan gerrymandering is a problem. For one thing is, uh, partisan gerrymandering is in the eye of the beholder. What one person thinks is gerrymandering, other people think are good districts, number one. But number two, the, the problem we had in North Carolina is the state constitution does not address this. The state law does not address this. The state Supreme Court made it up. Um, and, you know, they, they picked out words in the state constitution like, you know, elections uh, should be free and they should be open. I mean, really loose language that if you can rely on that to overthrow districts, um, then, you, you, then, then, the, then a legislature, what we have got, came to the situation here is a legislature of a different political party of the state Supreme Court found itself impossible to pass districts. And we believe that violates the federal constitution. And that is what the U.S. Supreme Court is, um, is overseeing now. Um, th this court, I think, was guilty of gross overreach. However, let's get to the result. The result is the Republicans get to go back and redraw districts. And they will do it under a state Supreme Court. And when it comes to the congressional districts, this is not going to be a very good outcome for Democrats in North Carolina. I really appreciate your take on this. Thank you so much, Dallas Woodhouse. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, admitted yesterday that some of its employees improperly accessed user data of two journalists. The China-owned company says the people in question are no longer employed. The employees accessed the data as part of an unsuccessful effort to investigate leaks of company information earlier this year. According to internal sources, the aim was to identify potential connections between the two journalists and employees who were suspected of leaking information. The employees attempted to establish the journalists' location via their IP addresses. The admission comes after TikTok recently ramped up efforts to assure the U.S. government it won't be spying on U.S. citizens. That followed a proposal to bar federal employees from using the popular app on government devices. Tesla CEO Elon Musk says he will not sell any more Tesla stock until 2025. He cites an unstable economy and a looming 2023 recession as a reason. His comments came after Tesla stocks plunged on Thursday. The billionaire previously made promises about not selling Tesla stock, but ended up doing so anyway. He announced a $3.6 billion stock sale last week, taking his total to near $40 billion since late last year. Meanwhile, shareholders are concerned as the company's shares are at their lowest in two years. Musk said the co company is open to share buyback, depending on a scale of the scale of a recession. And coming up, for 30 years, volunteers in a California city have been reenacting the very first Christmas. They celebrate the meaning and history behind the holiday.
welcome back. <laughs> nice hat cap. Oh, thanks. You like it? <laughs> yeah, and you know, same to you. It looks good. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I thought I'd switch my outfit up. <laughs> well, you know, I know Christmas is a very is a holiday where families are coming together, giving out gifts, and being grateful. But it's also nice to think of the story behind Christmas. Yeah, you know, there's this group of volunteers actually that have reenacted the night of the first Christmas since 1992. They celebrate the meaning behind the holiday, but unfortunately this year marks the last time that Bethlehem AD will be keeping their tradition. Our reporter David Lamb spoke to them. Let's take a look. Speak much of this is Bethlehem AD a live recreation commemorating the birth of Jesus. It's set to close after running for 30 years in Redwood City, California. Representatives said that the land was recently sold and told SFGate that there are no plans for it to continue unless things change and someone new wants to continue the annual event elsewhere. So right now it's a couple hours before the event starts and the crew is setting up uh, before the 6 p.m. show. Now here we have Paula Dressen, the creative director behind Bethlehem AD. Hello. Hi Paula, how are you doing? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for coming by. So this is the last show for Bethlehem AD after 30 years. Uh, could you tell me like what this means to you? Well, um, obviously I believe that um, <clears throat> the Christmas story is one that everyone should know because it's when God revealed himself in the flesh. So I try to tell the story in its historical context. We show just how he had it all planned out with the child. Bethlehem AD is one of the largest living nativity scene in the U.S., featuring over 300 volunteers dressed as soldiers, merchants, angels, and more. The free community event includes singing, a marketplace, and animals such as camels, sheep, donkeys, and horses. It's a free 20-minute interactive walkthrough experience, rain or shine, hosted by Rise City Church. According to Bethlehem AD, the event takes people 2,000 years back in history to ancient Bethlehem. The idea first came from a 12-year-old boy who one night asked his dad if it's possible to create a real nativity. The reenactment takes place from December 21st to 23rd and draws in 25,000 visitors each year. Now the nonprofit's website says that if anyone's searching for the real meaning of Christmas, they can find it inside the walls of Bethlehem AD. More information can be found on their website as well as a full recording of the event. Now the creative director also told us even though the event is ending this year, they're still going to try to find a way for the community and volunteers to come together moving forward. Reporting in Redwood City, David Lamb, Entity News. Yeah, that is unfortunate. They had to stop this tradition. Right, and tradition, I think traditions can really connect people. And I mean, they had a good run. Yeah, they did. And you know, actually on the other side of the world, people are celebrating the Christmas tradition in their own unique way. Let's take a look. A group of elephant keepers dressed as Santa Claus led a herd of elephants into a school in central Thailand, and they gave out Christmas gifts. Almost 2,000 students were overjoyed when elephants handed them balloons, toys, and sweets with their trunks. The elephants performed to music afterwards. The annual event has been held for two decades, with the elephants visiting schools in the area at the end of each year. Mm, that looks fun. Yeah, oh, I'd love to ride an elephant, especially wearing this hat. 
<laughs> yes. Okay, we'll have to end this show here before more people tune in and ask, who are these weirdos? Anyway, Entity Good Morning team is wishing you all a Merry Merry Christmas. Yes, yeah, stay warm and stay safe. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.